and welcome to another Scotch Way podcast. And it's the third one that we've done with my brother Andy. Hello, Andy. Hi, Ellie. Um, and this time we've already looked at the 80s and 90s in terms of the music that we were listening to. And this time it is rather uh, logically, are we going to call it the noughties? I think so. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. We're looking at the, the, the noughties. Um, so let's kick off just by giving a bit of context. Where were you between 2000 and 2010? Lordy. I was... Uh, millennium, I was, uh, I can tell you where I was in the le- millennium, while the fireworks were going off, I was nursing my dog, who had diarrhea in the garden, as the, as the bombs were going off uh, in uh, over Ruddingston, I was nursing my dog, and uh, he was not having a good time dealing with all the fireworks, but after that, uh, it went downhill. I went, no, I went all uphill. I went. I, I moved up to uh, Braemar that year in April that year. So let's just say 2000 onwards was me uh, starting to run the gallery and um, getting to grips with running a business and all that kind of stuff. So that's when yeah. I was. I'd, mo- I'd moved up in April uh, 2000. I moved up to Braemar and started running the gallery. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to hear if some of the music you've picked was the soundtrack in the gallery, because I'm guessing a lot of your days were, uh, you know, managing to create your own soundtrack. Funnily enough, a lot of it was, Ali, but on this, not not so much, because uh, this is more what I was listening to personally rather than the, uh, you know, you have to play a kind of uh, inoffensive... uh, version of things sometimes in the, in the shop. Oh, yeah, cool. Cool. There's some offensive music coming up, great. Well, no, not really. No, no, not really, but yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, mine, my, this was my 30s, and um, it was also my um, uni years. So mm-hmm. uh, as a result, I kind of stopped going out. I didn't really go to any gigs for about a decade. I and mean, that's not quite true. I went to a few, mm-hmm. but... Um, the music I was listening to was either listening at home or uh, in work, because mm. and I was still working in uh, Cafe Gandolfi at the time, so I used to make yes. mixtapes up for the for the weekends, which was always mixtapes, still making mixtapes. Not that actually, long. actually, Cafe Gandolfi was a huge education to me as well with the mixtapes that were in there, you know, i.e. Uh, Lou Reed Transformer and sort of disco stuff and all that, which I had no access to, but working in there gave me a huge, uh, the summers yeah, that I did. Because yeah. it was very um, uh, even-handed, you know, uh, as long as um, no one hated it, you could put all sorts yeah. of different stuff on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, so we're going to talk again, just to, if people haven't seen these, it's 10 records that um, we have we were listening to in the noughties. Um, did you find it difficult to come up with 10? Slightly. Scottish ones, yes, because we're, we're dealing with the rule of them being Scottish. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I uh, what was it? I, yeah, I, I was listening to all sorts of stuff, lots of film soundtracks and things like that, lots of Danny Elf, Elfman and um, uh, lots of other things. And uh, so it was it was kind of tricky for me to come up with Scottish. I was going to a lot of gigs locally, so those were smaller, folky kind of bands, yeah. which maybe didn't have so much material out, but I was really enjoying my music uh, by 2000. I was going to a lot of gigs and doing 
the sound desk uh, locally for, for a few bands. So that was where I was getting my uh, enjoyment from. But um, yeah, yeah, I got there eventually, Ali. Yeah, what about you? Let's kick off with your first choice. I'm looking forward to this. Right, okay, first choice. You know, my, my, one of my favourite bands, Primal Scream. Yes. So I've got uh, Exterminator for ah. my first one, which is the sixth uh, studio uh, release. Um, and when I got that, it was like, what is, uh, what is actually going on you know, here? Because they had gone from my, my favourite sort of uh, uh, leather trouser wearing Rickenbacker playing uh, psychedelic to, to the more MC5 thing, and then they did yeah. Screamadelica, which I loved as well. And then, and then suddenly here we are with Exterminator, which was as if they went, let's try and lose as many fans as possible, or let's try and make the most aggressive sounding record that we could possibly make. And for the track um, Accelerator alone, which they quite often started the live gigs with, yeah. it just was like they came out of the trap, you know, it was like, you know, it was astonishing to see live and it was proper guitar music, which was good for me, but there was lots and lots and lots of electronics in there. Um, another track on that album was Shoot, Speed, Kill, Light, which was one of my favourites, again, as a live. It was, it was a great live record. It was great to see them live at that point, um, which is, I did see them. I think you've seen them more than yeah, most people, and, and I've seen them a few times. And uh, to see them live at that particular point where it was, um, oh gosh, Manny on the bass. And I think, was, was um, your man Shields playing the guitar at that I point? Think he, I think he was, yeah. I think he was. But it was just a wall of noise. I mean, and it was good noise. You know, it was really yeah. astonishingly uh, trouser-flappingly uh, fantastic. I yeah. think it's interesting. I think if you look over the different types of records, um, there are a few bands that have gone from where they started and tried all these different... I suppose the Beatles are another band. I, I, I was just about to say that, yeah. That, that's the only one I can think of because you've got... When, when you go through Primal Schemes record, whether, whether you Perhaps like them or not... you do. Uh-huh. Anyway, yeah. sorry, you were going to say... Yeah. No, 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 that's true. That's true. But um, when you go through the thing, you think, wow, every time um, there's just a, an absolute curveball and you say, well, let's do this. And... Uh, that for me, that was an incredibly exciting record at the time. Of course, the other person who did that perhaps more than anyone else is on your jerkin. Oh, was a mother. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no, no one else could have went from uh, uh, you know the laughing gnome to uh, tin machine. Absolutely. No, no. Well, and, and well, that's a good example of reinvention, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and that, there's, I mean, you were saying there were certain stuff she couldn't play in the gallery, and I would imagine that externally. That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my but, first one is um, uh, Ball Boy, um, and it's a club anthems 2001, which is a collection of their um, first three EPs, uh, and like it says, came out in 2001. And Ball Boy are a, a, a fantastic band. Um, they went on to make other great records, but these early songs are my favourites. Um, and few records start off as well as it does with um, the first line of Donald in the bushes with a bag of glue is, the first time that I saw you, you were lying in the bushes with a bag of glue, which is just poetry in my... Uh, mm, totally. I, I, 
they had lots. I'm going to another couple of tracks, um, Essential Wear for Trips into Space, and they'll hang flags from cranes upon my wedding day. You know, they went for these kind of weird, long titles. Definitely an indie band. One of these bands that was um, influenced by um, Arab Strap, without a doubt, singing in mm -hmm. strong accents. Mm -hmm. um, Gordon McIntyre was the uh, main songwriter and continues to be a fantastic um, songwriter. Um, and they were became one of the last bands that John Peel championed before he sadly mm -hmm. passed away. He used to play them a lot on his show. And if it's good enough um, for John Peel, it's certainly good enough for me. Um, used to yeah, used to play um, uh, the Ball Boy album a lot uh, when it came out. And I still do, still go back to it. It's my favourite of all their records, I think, definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay, sure. you're number two, Andy. Number two, um, okay, it's The Boy With No Name by Travis. Oh, okay. And uh, it's their fifth studio album, and this came out, when did this come out? Uh, 2007. And uh, at the time for me, again, Ali, sorry, I've not got these in chronological order. That's all right, we'll stick to the, what but we know best. My life is chaotic as it is. Um, so uh, The Boy With No Name for me was, came out a, a kind of, uh, very personally for me, it was a kind of strange time uh, for me not to go on about me too much, but uh, it was it, it was a very soothing record at the time. It was a very soft-sounding record. And yes, very, yes. Uh, a beautiful, I, I felt a very beautiful, soft, well-produced record, and it was very um, uh, like a balm to listen well, to. instead of, you know, we're talking about Primal Scream, Cranking up the noise. Absolutely. The well, opposite. Particularly noisy to begin with, but they actually got mm. gentler and gentler, it seemed to mm. me. Mm -hmm. Well, that album in particular, it just uh, uh, records like um, uh, Closer and a track called uh, Out in Space, which was just uh, this beautiful uh, spaced out kind of tunes. There was Selfish Gene, which was the kind of um, yeah, right. lust for life kind of thing. It started with the Lust for Life beat and it was good as well. But um, no, for me, that was a very, very uh, comforting record to listen to at the time. And it was... I think, um, it would be interesting to go back and listen to some of the, the uh, Travis records because uh, I haven't done mm. some for a while. And, you know, they made mm. some great, uh, great albums, I think. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yes. Yeah. My second is a um, bit of a hero of mine, Bill Wells and the Bill Wells Trio. And this album is called Also in White, and it is one of my favourite albums of all time, never mind uh, mm -hmm. the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Wells is a bit of a national treasure. You know, he's worked with so many um, different people, such as Aidan Moffat. Um, mm -hmm. Everything's Getting Older won the very first Scottish Album of the Year award. Mm -hmm. um, he's worked with Isabel Campbell, Future Pilot, a.k.a. Um, the National Jazz Trio of Scotland. He is a, originally a jazz man, but... I think he found himself, I think he actually is, you could quote him as saying he, he found more uh, kind of friendship or at least more in common with the indie bands in Scotland. So you've got this um, kind of crossover. And I th you could say that he was the person that kind of helped jazz music and indie music in Scotland and in Glasgow in particular really mm. kind of connect. And that's a relationship that really he was working as well today as it ever has, you know, there's a real mm. mesh between those two kind of musical styles. Um, 
this album has got two of my favourite bits of music ever on it. Um, presentation piece number one, which is about nine minutes long, and D-A-D-E, which finishes it off, and just mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, I, I'm not aware of it, Ali. It's a, um, I have to, to look it up. Work. I'm sure you'll have heard some and not even realised that. I mean, he's probably worked with so many people. He's definitely mm. worth checking out, Andy. You would just love his stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just say a bit of a national musical treasure for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just to go over it. That was the Bill's Wells trio and also in white, which came out again in 2001. There's a couple of years that really dominate for me. You come to that in a minute for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're on to your third choice, Andy. Well, when I was writing this out, I thought it's definitely uh, is by Las Vegas. And I went for the one called uh, Snowflake Fell and it felt like a kiss, which is actually an EP. Yes, but it was kind of so closely followed. It, it, sorry, it followed so closely on the heels of the, the main album. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kind of think of it as one piece of work, and I'm not trying to shoehorn two things in at once, but I kind of am. Um, but the Snowflake Fell one I loved because it has the Christmas connotation, which I love. And it, and it did feel, when you put that record on, uh, it, it does feel dark and cold and... Um, uh, I, I love that record, but also the anyone who grew up listening to um, Jesus and Mary Chain or, or, or early um, Prime Scream or stuff like that, they're going to like this, kind of, or Velvet Underground or anything like that. You've got the sparse drumming and the uh, tambourines and so yeah. forth. And it's been, uh, I really like the, the power of these songs. They're very, I thought, I thought it was a really powerful album. You know? yeah. Red, um, for me, it was, it was quite an emotional album, even though, you know, some of the things I can't, you know, I don't relate to personally, but uh, I, I really like that album. I think Las Vegas were one of the bands I kind of missed out on because they'd have been gigging regularly in Glasgow and normally I'd have been out seeing them and I, I kind of, as I mm. say, much for going mm. out uh, in my mm. Um mm. But uh, yeah, and so it kind of passed me by a bit, although that EP you mentioned, I do, I do mm. like, yeah. Uh-huh. And I saw them support um, U2 on their... Uh, was it a 360 tour or something like that? It was, and, and they oh, played support. Up. Yeah, what? they played. They played support, which was nice to see. Yeah, yeah. So that's mine. Yeah. My third one uh, is not. It's a bit of a trickster. So as I say, my uh, I was at uni for the uh, decade, and um, one of the things I did there, I wasn't all uh, reading books. I started up a Scottish film club. Uh, mainly for the people in the kind of Scotland department, but anyone could come along and often did. Mm-hmm. And um, every week or every fortnight, I think it was maybe, we put on different um, Scottish films. And one of the most divisive, and one I hadn't watched since the 80s, um, was The Wicker Man. And uh, it's, if no one's seen the film, um, I'm sure you have, but it's a really weird horror um a, it's very odd that the, the most ter- horrific piece takes place in full sunlight, you know, which is unusual for mm. a horror movie. It mm. plays a lot with things. It, it's, um, yeah, it's an, it's an odd film, but I love it. I think it's a great film. Some people it's a great, it. fantastic. Yeah. Mm. But I kind of fell in love with the soundtrack. And the soundtrack mm. was reissued in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe there was a special, uh, it must have been an anniversary edition 
I remember there was also Alan Brown, the journalist, wrote a book about the Wicker Man, which I read and reviewed mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I just love this. I think it's a great bit of music. Uh, I think it was really influential on the Scottish folk music scene because, mm -hmm. yes, it was folk music, but it was dark and twisted. Mm -hmm. you know, you think of bands like Trembling Bells or Ali Roberts stuff. Or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could, you could feel the kind of influence, I think, of this, this album. And I played this a lot. Um, I, and I still play it a lot. It's got some really gorgeous bits of music on it. It's got some really weird, um, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pastoral, is that the word I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing, but painted the maple and all the old um, religions and stuff. But uh, yeah. Almost, almost pagan. Um, uh, the word I was looking for, Andy. Pagan, is that right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Pagan ritual uh, and all of that stuff. It's interesting at that point, at that point in, in, in the in, in noughties, there was a bunch of albums came out. Uh, there was one called Folk is Not a, Folk is Not a Four Letter yeah, Word, but right. Folk is a Four Letter Word or whatever. Yeah. And there was also uh, and and there was one called um, Oh gosh. Uh, there's a bunch of um, Compilations. Compilation albums that came out at that time. And they, they highlighted people like Ali Roberts, but also uh, other, uh, other uh, folk bands from way back in the day. And uh, that, I bought a bunch of those at that time. So that was, just, you know, I was listening to the same kind of stuff at that time, yeah. Yeah, I did as well. I started buying albums by June Tabor and the Watersons mm -hmm. family mm -hmm. and Eliza McCarthy mm -hmm. and, uh, and lots and lots of interesting folk mm -hmm. music. It was a real boom, boom time for folk music, mm -hmm. which has continued mm -hmm. up to now. And, 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 and Johnny Trunk's label came out with a bunch of stuff, which yeah. was good, you know, a Trunk record. And... Um, yeah, no, that was. I'm, I'm trying to still think of the name of the other album, but it's not going to come to me. If but, it does, I'll shout it out. But it does. It did seem to me a time where this idea of oh, we like that, but maybe it's just us getting older, certainly me getting older. Mm. But, you know, this idea that well, this is what I like, and therefore this is what I don't like, had kind of fallen away, and it seemed to fall away across the board. You know, it was just like, what's great music? Let us, you know. Mm -hmm. Let us enjoy it, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's that's certainly the kind of resurgence of folk music. Uh, really affected me. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. When I first heard Ali Roberts play, I thought it was an old guy. You know, I just assumed it was an old guy. You know, from way back in the day, and uh, amazed to meet this young guy. You know. Anyway, so so we're on to uh, number four, Andy. Number four is uh, from 2001, uh, a record by a band called the Raphaels. And the Raphaels were uh, Marcus Hummond, who used to write songs for uh, the Dixie Chicks and so forth. He was a songwriter in Nashville. Uh, he teamed up with Stuart Adamson, obviously, from my beloved big country. And you knew the name. Yeah, so the Raphaels um, toured that album, unfortunately. Well, they toured it... Uh, you know, between August 14, uh, August the 14th when it came out, 2001. Uh, obviously, what happened with Stuart when, when, when he died um, at, the, at the end of that year. Um, but uh, it, it's really a, a good record. I like it a lot. Uh, it, was, it was Stuart trying to write, do his Nashville thing and write as a partnership and... Um, uh, there's some fantastic stuff on it. Um, 
Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to listen to that. I don't think I've ever heard it, but it makes sense because it did seem to me he was getting more into that side of music, wasn't he? The kind of yeah, he was. He was going that way. I mean, there's there's some guitar lines and things that you'll recognise from uh, big country uh, B sides and so forth that he's thrown in there. But uh, his voice and Marcus's voice together were really nice and. Uh, <sighs> Some, you know, sometimes the songwriting, depending on who was writing the songs, was 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 um, uh, interesting. But it's it's a, it's a really good record to get, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, that that's one to find if you can, or I'll give you a loan of it, Ali. Yeah. Okay, because it might not be that easy to find. I have to say. No, I don't think nowadays. I keep looking on discogs and things like that. And go, God, I'm worth a fortune. Well, it's, <laughs> it's funny. You should say that because in relation to books, but I think you're right. People think, oh, you can get anything now online. But actually, there's a lot of stuff that came out before 2010 in particular that you mm-hmm. just cannot find. It's I'll talk about that in later, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, my fourth one is uh, the Pearl Fishers. Nice. Um, Pearl Fishers, and I've gone for Sky Meadows, but I could have pretty much chosen any Pearl Fishers album. Mm-hmm. And the Pearl Fishers, for those that don't know, it's basically David Scott and whoever he, he works with. I think I hope I'm not, you know, um, a, being unfair when I say that, but that's certainly how I read them as a band. And David Scott, for me, he is just a classic um, pop writer, an arranger, um, mm-hmm. kind of in the same vein as um, Brian Wilson, uh, McCartney, or even Buck Bacharach. And I'm not saying that lightly. I genuinely believe that. That's his kind of, it's probably his influences, but he absolutely makes it his own. Um, mm. Beautiful pop songs, incredible strings. Um, a works with uh, so many people, has an incredible knowledge of pop music as well. Scottish music and much wider. Um, yeah, I always think if... David Scott's name is on a record or something to do with the record. It's a real stamp of quality. And you should check out all of the Pearl Fishers records because they're, they're just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, number five, Andy, for me. Number five for me? I maybe missed one, Ali, but anyway. My Modeling Career by uh, Camera Obscura. Ah, we are going to have a doubler. But that's oh, we're going to have a doubler, are we? Oh, dear. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. So you on you go. I mean, purely because I enjoy the record so much, and there's uh, one song in particular which I just fell in love with, which is Honey in the Sun. Yeah. And I heard that, uh, must have heard it on YouTube or something like that, and just thought this... Uh, I, I don't know the band terribly well, but the, the, the voice of uh, Tracy Ann Campbell is just perfect for me. It's just this um, beautiful, but you can recognise it straight away. You know, as soon as you know, they say the rule of a record is you know five seconds, and you go, well, that's got to be them. And, yeah. and there's something about her voice. You just think, oh gosh, that's 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 beautiful. You know, I think she's and, an incredible singer, a real kind of heartbreaking uh, voice. Um, yeah. You know, that melancholy to it that uh, you can't absolutely. put on. It just kind of, it's a natural thing. It's gorgeous. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh-huh. absolutely. So that, that one for me, uh, um, you, you know, I got I got into it through that song, Honey in the Sun, and then I've, I've, I've listened to it subsequently and I obviously got, got into the rest of the record. But that, that, that one just, it was, it was just, uh, at the time hit me like, like uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'll um, mention it again later on, but I might talk about Camera Obscura. In yeah, yeah, well, you'll, you'll maybe have more to say about it. Yeah. Um, so my number five, is that right? We're on to number five? I think it's well, I think I've missed a five out, but yeah, yeah, go, go. Okay, so um, Pearl Fishers that I just spoke about, their music's released on uh, Marina Records, mm. um, which is an incredible story, and we'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But the next one, it was also released on uh, Marina Records, and it is James Kirk's You Can Make It If You Boogie. Right. Now, just to give you an idea of who is on this album, uh, so, you know, it gives you an idea of its overall quality and who was involved. You've got, oh God, I can't, that's terrible. I can't read that. I'm going to have to put the light on a bit. That's yeah, I, told you, I told you you'd go blind, Ali. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's got Norman Blake... Um, Kevin McDermott and um, uh, some guy called David Scott, as I knew it would. Um, right, I see. Yeah. So it's it's James Kirk. For those that don't know, was in Orange Juice. He was one of the original members of Orange Juice. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a stunning collection of songs, and I have to say, as much as I love uh, Edwin Collins and Malcolm Ross's records, uh, this is my favourite solo record by an ex member of Orange Juice, uh, without a doubt. And it's also, I think, the one which kind of captures what made Orange Juice great, um, kind of mm. better than, than any others. Um, a, yeah, fantastic pop songs, a bit of jangle pop, um, more expansive, sense of humour. Um, James Kirk had it all. I wish uh, he would make more uh, records because You Can Make It If You Boogie is an absolute cracker and yeah just to talk a little bit more about marina records i don't know if you're that aware of them andy but no. most of the stuff i bought not most of the stuff but a lot of the stuff i bought in the 90s and the noughties that was coming out scottish music a lot of it came out on marina records right. and they're a german record label that seemed to just um uh fall in love with a lot of the scottish music mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. um, and they released music by the likes of um the bathers Paul Quinn, um, mm. Cowboy Mouth, Joseph K, Malcolm Ross, the Pearl mm. Fishers, as I mentioned, uh, Goldfish, Jazz of Tears, all these amazing bands that were um, given releases on uh, this German record label. Mm-hmm. And last year, I think, or was it the year before, they had an anniversary showcase as part of Celtic Connections called Goosebumps. There was an album that came out with it. And they had this fantastic night where all these musicians that were involved with Marina, and I think the guys who ran Marina were in the audience, and it was just fabulous to see. You know, they had like one big, a bit like the Starless project, they had one mm-hmm. amazing backing band, which they front and center, and then different singers coming on to do their songs, you know. It was a great mm-hmm. night, and it's worth Googling Marina Records, going to their website, which is quite an old-fashioned website, certainly the last time I was there, and just mm-hmm. going through all the releases and seeing all this amazing Scottish music. As you say, mm-hmm. something that we can't get anymore. Mm-hmm. My first choice was um, James Kirk, and you can make it if you boogie. Okay, okay, into the second half of the hour. Number six, Andy. Blind me. Right. Um, I'm going to do. There's an album by another favourite of mine, Robin Williamson. We've covered him before. We have, yeah. But in the uh, noughties, as we're going to call them, uh, ECM Records picked up on 
him as some sort of Scottish uh, sort of uh, national treasure type thing, which he is, you know. Yeah. But but ECM who who record, tend to record jazz, I think. Or, yeah, you know, right. But they're, they're immaculately recorded records. So they picked up on Robin Williamson and he did an album called Seed at Zero. And what he did was went through his back catalogue and reworked some of the songs for just him, acoustic guitar. He plays a bass drum with his foot. And, uh, you know, it's very, very sparse um, instrumentally, but it's absolutely stonking. And because he's got 40 years under his belt, at least actually, yeah, at least at this point, he'd had 40 years under his belt of touring, playing these songs. This was a chance to play these immaculate songs recorded brilliantly uh, on, uh, on the ECM label. And uh, it was quite unusual at the time because it was all kind of Jan Garbrecht and all that kind of stuff that was coming out on that label, as far as I was aware. And this, this, this was uh, astonishing because it's, it's just crystal clear recording of him doing his thing. Um, so another example of this kind of uh, that's a, increasingly a crossover between different styles of music. No, mm -hmm. people not going, oh, this is the what I like. You know, saying, oh well, you know, I can. It just happens so much these days. I think that people aren't limited by influences, maybe like they were previously. Uh, maybe it's because so much music is available now. But I think also when it's authentic, when it, when it's when it's unabashedly if that's a word, yeah. uh, authentic, it comes across, you know, like his music or, um, you know, some of the jazz they record or something like that. It's, it's, it, it's, not, um, it's not made up, you know, it's, it's what they do anyway. They're going to be doing it. They've done it for 40 years. They've done it for however long. Let's just get some microphones in front of them and record it. And that's what ECM do. And it's astonishing recording if you can, if you can get it, uh, well, I've got a copy of it, Alan, which I can give you, but it's, it's a fantastic record. Some music in my head, are they still going? Was that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, I think yeah. someone got in touch with me recently to say, oh, look, this mm. stuff's coming out on ECM. Oh, it's astonishing. It's, it's, a, um, it's always just absolutely crystalline quality. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, whether they've got some mad, a bit like Lynn Electronics or something, whether they have a place where you go and do your... I think it was a writer who had got in touch about his book, but said also, oh, listen, mm. you might be interested in this. And I'm sure he sent me mm. a link. I must check that out mm. and get it out. Mm. Mm. But anyway, that's a, that's a fantastic album. He's done two with them, as far as I know now. And uh, it's all back catalogue, which has been reworked. Okay. So what's your, what's your uh, number oh, six, six? Is Milo. Oh, yeah. And uh, destroy rock and roll. Now, I was no longer kind of going to clubs in the noughties, um, but I still enjoyed and still do enjoy great dance music. And that's certainly um, a great dance album, which is quite a rare thing, you know, to get a full album of, of tracks like that. Uh, Milo is originally from Sky, but uh, this album is made for America. You know, it's got um, samples from Miami Sound Machine. Um, it's got real kind of sunny feel to it. Uh, my favourite track, In My Arms, I just adore that, um, uh, is sampling Waiting for a Star to Fall, which is another great pop song. Um, clearly had been listening to amazing music and had used it to make his own. Um, 
it's it's a it's a record that I still play a few of the tracks. I don't really play the thing as a whole anymore. I might do that now that we're talking about it. But um, yeah, in, in my arms and uh, the title track, "Destroy Rock and Roll," which is mm-hmm. the one where he has a sample of a guy talking about the different um, musicians who are the devil's work. It's an amazing track to hear. It's just this guy going, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, Van Halen, Pat Benatar, mm-hmm. with this beat underneath it. It's a really good mm-hmm. song. Um, and it's a really good record. This this was one that we played a lot, you know, um, whether we were working, whether we we're ready going out or um, whatever it was, just Milo's Destroy Rock and Roll it was a bit of a decade-defining uh, release, I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, number seven. I'm only in 2004 and we're up to number seven. So that's what I mean. Yeah. Everything at the start of the year. I think I was listening to stuff less and less as the decade went on. So yeah, I think you're right. Okay, well, I'm going to go with... Um, oh, gosh, where is it now? Yeah, it's another Primal Scream record, Ali. It's Evil Heat, which came out in the same decade. And... Uh, Astonishing. Now, I have to say, again, probably because I was uh, obsessed with other things, I kind mm-hmm. of stopped listening to Primal Scream that much. I, you know, um, mm-hmm. and so Evil Heat kind of passed me by. Well, I totally, yeah, I mean, you know how I was, I was buying those records out of, we talk about bands that were kind of almost faithful to, you'll yeah. buy the record anyway, which is Primal Scream's one of my bands. I'll buy the record anyway and, and listen to it. And Evil Heat, I couldn't get it for a while. I couldn't get it for a while because it was just too... But it, it was that, again, following on from uh, Exterminator, I think that we're, we're trying to shake off the, the, um, the sort of um, mainstream fans almost. You know, we want to get back to what we're actually about here and uh, tracks like Autobahn 66 which is absolutely fabulous yeah that is a great track that is a great yeah, track yeah and Deep Hit Morning uh, Deep Hit Off Morning um, uh, fantastic tracks but I mean with me uh, you know initially with Primal Scream that's I, I got into the, the sound of what they did but then it was just always interesting to hear what they're going to do next because they never ever do. I'm repeating myself, I'm aware, but it's because they never ever do the same thing twice. You know, they just, you, you never know what album you Yeah, I, I wonder if, if um, they were trying to shake off commercial uh, commerciality or they're just, they just decided to do what the hell they wanted to do, whatever they were listening to at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I do think that maybe particularly um, uh, Bobby, Gillespie, that was his thing. He's like, oh no, I, I, maybe he gets bored easily or just he doesn't want to stay in the one place. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to try different things. So, uh, but there's almost that punk, that punk thing of going, well, we're, we're going to follow where it goes and whether it's popular or not, we're, we're just going to do it. Yeah. So, that, yeah. So that was my, uh, Wherever we're at, Ali. We're at number seven, Andy. So if you're we, worrying that you're not going to count up to ten. No, I just think I've missed one out. But let's, we'll keep going. Okay, so next is a bit of a classic for me, and it's the Trash Can Sinatras. Nice. Lifted. Now, Trash Can Sinatras were going, I think they formed in the mid-80s back then. Certainly mm-hmm. the first album of theirs I remember was Cake in 1990, which I do love. And um, in fact... If we were doing the 90s again, I might well have stuck it in there. But for me, this is um, their masterpiece, I think, uh, weightlifting. Say it came out 2004. Um, 
these are again people that just write great songs and whether they're um, a upbeat or whether they're mellow they're always kind of thoughtful and poignant at their heart you know there's there's always a point to it you don't just mm. throw these things away uh, lightly um, recently on the uh, if I can do a little plug here recently mm. on the Scotsway um, radio show on Cam Glenn last week I had them as uh, artists of the week and it was really difficult mm. to pick um, tracks uh, because there's just so many great tracks to to choose from and it's the, the reason I played them and was that they've got a new uh, track out now, The Closer You Move Away From Me. So they're still making music, still making great music, um, but they'll go somewhere, I think, to beat um, weightlifting, which, um, I mean, from the start track, Welcome Back, which a, a fantastic opening to a record, you know, just boom, they're right in there to the mm -hmm. real heartbreaking uh, melodies and lyrics of weightlifting the title track. It's, uh, if you've never um, listened to the Trash Can Sinatras, this is a great place to start. Right, uh, number eight, Andy, we're getting close to the end of this madness. Okay, uh, I've got Monica Queen, The Return of the Sacred Heart. And a, this was an album I found in, I think it was One Up Records in Aberdeen. Oh, um, great record shop. Uh, sadly, no more. I think. Yeah, I bet. Um, um, so what I liked—that was the old-fashioned. Uh, they used to write um, recommendations on the on the little. You know, with, with, yeah, exactly. So I, I used to go in there and look at the Scottish section, and, and and this was was highly recommended, and I bought it, and I took it home, and it was it just blew me away. The um, production on it, which I believe later on I found was Johnny's, Johnny, um, Johnny Smiley's uh, production. And uh, funnily enough, later on found out that he's a huge Daniel Lanoir fan. So I could see how, I could see, I could hear what he was doing with the production. He had this be absolutely beautiful sound to the record. Um, and uh, Again, a kind of religious record. Yeah, very much so. But um, I, I just, I just found it absolutely beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever heard. And um, yeah. what was so, so brilliant was when they came up to play at uh, Braemar Gallery. Um, that they, they decided to play a couple of those songs because. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I believe they knew that I liked them, so they played them. And uh, it was another it, one. It, it was um, someone has fixed it for you moments. Wasn't it, it? It, it, it was uh, hard to believe at the time. I, I just I maybe didn't tell them enough at the time, but uh, it was an astonishing night. And um, I just you know it was like a competition winner night. You know it was just like oh yeah. they're going to play the songs that I like in my place, and it was just it was fabulous. So that record uh, for me is one of my favourite records. Um, yeah, yeah, ever, ever. Yeah. I thought you might pick a Monica record because I was going to pick uh, one as well. And the other one is 10 Sorrowful uh, Mysteries. Yes, it is Mysteries, sorry. Right. Um, which was, I came, af came afterwards, I think it came afterwards. Um, 
I don't have to date. Oh, well, never mind. We'll, we'll fact check with you later, folks. But fact checking centre. They, 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 they come up, they, both solo albums are incredible. Were you aware of Thrum at all? Did you know? Not, not at the time, Ali. It's only subsequently and uh, fantastic, you know. Because I first heard her, as I think I've mentioned previously, on Lazy Line Painter Jane, the mm -hmm. Bell and Sebastian EP, um, mm -hmm. my favourite Bell and Sebastian song, and where she just kind of makes it her own. Um, and yeah, never been involved in a bad record at all, Johnny um, Smiley, her partner. Um, mm. Fantastic albums and fantastic singer. And that night was a very special night. Wasn't um, it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, talking of special, um, my number eight is the obligatory Blue Nile album. Oh, Shystone. I could have had that one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have fought you for it. So this was the Blue Nile's fourth and, let's face it, likely final um, album, um, High. It came out in 2004 again. 2004, what a year. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really need to say too much because I've had a Blue Nile feature in the last... Uh, two of these and now another one. But what I will say is, if you stopped at Hats or um, Peace at Last and you haven't, aren't aware of this, do check it out because it'll be Fantastic. your favourite record. I mean, yeah. some of the songs on it are as good as anything they've done elsewhere. Um, I would never um, high itself and stay close. And I, I mean, stay close would be in any top 10 of my favourite Blue Nile songs. It's an amazing yeah. track. And if that's going to be the last track on the last album they ever do, it's a hell of a way to sign off. Um, yeah, a, it's the Blue Nile, everyone. What more can I say? Every home should have one, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. It's called mm -hmm. Um Number nine. Right, I, I have actually missed one, but uh, I'm going to go on with my nine, which says ten here. But uh, <laughs> I, I, might, I might have to... Two Las Vegas mentions. Oh, well, let's count those as two, yeah. shall we? Right, okay. Good. Right. Uh, well, actually, it works out okay, because my 10th one is going to be one you've already spoken about, so let's just go. Right, okay. So my number 10 is, again, a kind of slightly oblique one, Ali. It's, um, it's a, you know, where we're talking about records that came out uh, in, in, in that time period in the noughties, and um, they were in short, they were, they were short editions, you know? And so when uh, the, the big country... Uh, website used to produce rarities uh, CDs at the time and rarities one came out which is fantastic which has restless natives and all those kind of things on it and, and rarities two came out but they kept coming out with you know really going through all yeah. the, um, the the the, the uh, not you know it's not scraping the barrel as as, as as you know but it's it was coming out with stuff but it was like uh, the bootlegged albums used to get down the barrows, was it? Those uh, ab absolutely, and the candle rigs, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, so I'm going to say uh, uh, Big Country Rarities um, 3, which came out in 2008, and it was the Peace in Our Time uh, demos, right. and it was the Peace in Our Time songs. Um, if anyone remembers Peace in Our Time, the Big Country record, it was a very... American orientated album. They'd done The Crossing, they'd done Steel Town, Sear, and then they thought, right, let's try and break America. And they got uh, a guy called Peter Wolf in to produce yeah, it. Who was and involved with Jay Giles? Shady, 
uh, Sade as well. All right. And the yeah. So obviously it produced Sade, so we get them to do big country. Same thing, obviously. And um, what they did um, was he would sample a string at a time into the synclavier, and then they would, you, you know, it was very un to me on Big Country. So they produced this album. It was very crystalline and um, uh, sampled and so forth. And this Rarities album is the demos before they were chopped up and uh, they're the uh, REL tapes in the House in the Woods sessions, which amongst the Big Country fans are kind of legendary because it was before the engineer got their hands on them and the... Uh, sure dig them up so so it's a it's a really good rarities to have and like i say they only came out and you can't buy them now uh they come up on ebay now and again they come out in discogs now and again but they're, they're really i just bought them because it was a fan and i was buying everything at the time and uh it, no it's a fantastic album because it has all the demos and everything around the demos that they were making at the time which was still very good very very good stuff um, and now they're your pension is that what you're saying could be, could be. <laughs> Although hey, I'm not very, you know, you know, I mean, I've got a wall of CDs over there now. Mm. There's a lot of rarities in there, but mm. Mm. who knows? Okay, yeah. well, my uh, ninth, uh, it's another um, person which I could have picked pretty much anything of theirs, and it is Mr. James Yorkston. Nah, oh, I've got that one, yeah, yeah. And this is when the har rolls in, which is mm -hmm. a great, uh, great yeah. as I say. Could have picked um, loads of his stuff. Um, James was one of the founder uh, members of the Fence Collective, which we could have spoken a little bit more about because they had King Creosote and Katie Tunstall and um, HMS Jennifer and the Beta Band were all kind of that little East Nuka Fife mm -hmm. was, became like a hotbed of uh, great music um, mm -hmm. for, a, for a long time. Still is, but for a period with friends, it was amazing. Pictish Trail as well, been another one. But uh, James Yorkson for me is one of the most impressive and eclectic musicians we have. I mean, he makes music with uh, John Thorne and Suhail Yusuf Khan as Yorkson, Thorne and Khan. I love that, I love that. When I, I've heard that and it's just amazing. It's amazing, it's such a fusion mm -hmm. of different styles, mm -hmm. folk, jazz and Indian uh, classical mm -hmm. music, sitar music. Mm -hmm. I've seen it live. It's an amazing line. Mm -hmm. um, and also, he, uh, you know, he's played with his newest record is The Route to the Harmonium, which came out last year. And it was one of my favourite albums of last year. But he always makes favourite albums of the year because I, he just writes great, great songs. Um, I picked When the Heart Rolls In because I had to pick one. Could have picked mm -hmm. pretty much any. from Loads from that decade. Um, and if you, I mean, if you don't know James Yorkson, wow, you've got an amazing mm. amount of great music awaiting you. Wow. And you should also check mm. out um, his novel, Three Cross, if you can find it. You might not be able to find it, um, mm. but uh, it's, a, it's a cracking read. Um, yeah, mm. I reviewed it for Scott's Way ages ago, and uh, I really, really rate it. Mm -hmm. So, you don't have a tenth. If I was going to put in a tenth, it'd be something by Ali Robertson. Hey, Ali Roberts, sorry. Right, okay. Um, so anything by Ali Roberts from that day. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Well, um, I, well, of course, it's no great surprise what my 10th is. It's my modelling career by Camera Obscura. But again, pretty much could have picked any Camera Obscura. I'm a big 
big fan of theirs. I'm going mm -hmm. right back to the beginning. Um, I think if I was going to not pick this one, I'd pick another off the top of my head. Um, let's get out of this country, which was the one before it. Might have mm -hmm. gone for that, which has got Hey yeah. Lloyd, are you ready to be heartbroken? I love that, yeah. yeah. Um, and But with this, I think even more than the production, I mean, some people really love the kind of DIY ethos of the very early records, and I do as well. But I love mm -hmm. them, all their records. And I think, as you say, Tracy Ann's vocals run through it, but also the the style of the songs, the kind of heartfelt nature of the songs runs through mm -hmm. all the records. Um, there's, there's quite an ache to all the songs. They're quite yeah. achy. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and actually, there's a track on this called James, which is perhaps my favourite uh, right. Palmer Obscura track. Um, yeah, I just absolutely adore it. Um, so we basically said to you, if you can only pick one record out of these 20, you should definitely try Palmer Obscura and My Modern Career because it's mm -hmm. superb. Um, just quickly, I almost went for... The Starlets um, album, which is a cracking record, or also mm -hmm. The Pastels, um, which Oh, that's a great album, that one. That's a great wilderness. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yes, I have that. Yeah, it's great. Fantastic album. It's, it's a David McKenzie film, really weird David McKenzie film, um, which is worth checking out, and a fantastic soundtrack to it by The Pastels. Mm -hmm. Absolutely beautiful, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, Andy, that, uh, as they say, is that. If we do another one of these, we'll be on to the teens. Wow. The last 10 years. And uh, the return of vinyl as well, I was thinking, because we started mm. out looking at vinyl in the 80s. And I think mm. by the time we ended the next one, that there'll be certainly some nice albums to show you. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, Thanks um, again for doing this, my friend. Okie dokie. And um, uh, we'll be back soon uh, before we speak to Andy again with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm -hmm.